Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, everyone, and welcome to History Dweebs. I am Tim. Welcome to the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. I'm uh, joined, as always, by my good friend Brandy. Brandy, are you there? Yes, I am. And my good friend Charles. Charles, are you there? I'm here, Timmy. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about the Who tragedy, um, an event that took place... Uh, back in the 70s, in which 11 people were trampled to death here in Cincinnati. We're going to talk about that tragedy. But before we do, let me remind everyone that we are a true crime, true crime comedy podcast. Um, well, true crime history. We talk about a lot of different stuff. We're a comedy yeah, podcast. I was going to say, in this one, they might not get no true crime or comedy, Timmy. Yeah, but we Depends get that. on how it really there'll, rolls out. There'll be deaths. There will be there deaths. There will be deaths, yes. Yeah. But we sometimes, Charles, use foul language, adult language. Goddamn right we do. Well, well foul. Sometimes let's, we do let's, let's face it, it's foul language. Sometimes there's profanity to me, mm-hmm. and there's foul language. Now, occasionally... A profane word might slip out of our mouth, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Well, is but, it our mouth or? Well, a profane word might come out of our mouth, mine and yours. Uh-huh. Uh, when Rarely. you're talking about the foul, vulgar language, really the finger's got to be pointed in one direction. Oh, my God. Shut I mean, the she's the up. reason we get the ease on the thing all the time, really, because me and you, and, you know, the occasional, oh, damn, you know, we could probably slip Shucks that by or something iTunes. like that. Shucks. Yeah, but her, you know, cock slinger, cock holster, whatever, cock garage. You, you got a kind of fetish with, a, with you cocks. Do, you there, do kind it? of talk about cocks a lot, Randy. Yeah, you got cocks on your mind quite a bit. And yeah. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that it's something our, our listeners have picked up on. I think a few are a little troubled by it, but Timmy and I soothe them enough to get past the rough spots. Well, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, if if profanity and discussing cocks offends you, then you probably should check out one of the other fine podcasts out there. Or what's the other option, Colonel? Well, you go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. All Pick right. door number two. Let me introduce our panel. I'm joined, as always, by the 
lady who is known throughout the land, throughout the kingdom, as Brandy the Benevolent. Her Majesty, Queen Brandy the First. How are you, Brandy, if at all? I'm all right, Timmy. I'm still sick. So oh, that's I a shame. I know. I all right, care. that's enough uh, Brandy time. And there it is. I'm glad. I hope you're feeling better. I'm not. Okay. I'm absolutely not. But that's all right. Here I am as a true professional on time, unlike... Have you been, uh, have you been diagnosed? Have you been, uh, did you go to the doctor and get checked out, Brandy? Because I know some of our listeners worry about you. Two or three. I did go. I did go to the doctor and get checked out, and now I have to go see a specialist. A mental health specialist. I think that's a great idea, Colonel. It's it's about time. And there's no shame in that, Devil. We're glad you're getting the help you need. Thanks, but it's not that. But it's, it's okay. Let me suggest a uh, let me suggest a straight jacket. I think that would be in order. <laughs> well, I could borrow there's these things they put on you, Brandy, so that you can't hurt others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. yeah. They're not they're not like slim cut or you know skinny things. They're straight jackets, like you know they don't have any curves. It's so that you can't hit other people, basically. It is. I think it's. Uh, you, she probably had those from the second to the seventh grade, Timmy. Well, we're, our first priority is making us safe. Yes. Well, I think it's funny that you all, A, don't think that I have a straight jacket already, and B, that a straight jacket could fucking hold me from smacking the shit out of the two of you if I chose. So we would also, choices. I mean, we're, we care about you, too, so we would have one of those little helmets put on you. So we you, would. Yeah. Aww. Well, so you can't butt <laughs> us with your... But, I mean, you, you know, you might... <laughs> so what's what did the doctor say, Brandy? Are, are there uh, any diagnosis uh, on your condition? Are you Do in the, are you in the family them? way? <laughs> no. God, No. Oh, Do we God. need to start looking you better for another hope co-host? Not. That's all I'm saying. You two better hope I'm not. Timmy, we, have you looked into that talking monkey, Timmy, and try to get one <laughs> that doesn't cuss so much? <laughs> or find one that speaks in a fucking jackass accent. Let me introduce. No. Brandy, I'm going to introduce I, a man who is known. Uh, he's been called the most dangerous man in podcasting today. He's not been. He's been described, well, you know, we're in these in trouble times, Brandy. He's been described as an oasis in the desert of despair. By no one. He is a best-selling author. He is a man of God. No. No. Let me, no. I, I am proud, Brandy, proud to introduce. That's uh, the moral compass, you. Timmy. I'm the moral compass. He's the moral compass of this podcast. He's not. The Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Walters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? Well, I'm troubled, good, Timmy. Timmy. <laughs> I'm troubled, Timmy. Please do not interrupt the Colonel. Go ahead, Colonel. I'm sorry about her rudeness. Suck it. <laughs> well, I'm just a little troubled. I, I, I have looked at the news lately, Timmy, mm-hmm. and this whole Prince Harry thing. Has really made me rethink my life, Timmy. 
is do I want to walk away from be, because being a colonel is not easy to me. Well, you I, know, I, I understand that, Colonel. But so many I, people depend upon you. I'm, and it's much like Prince Harry. I, I mean, you're I the yang, the Brandy's yang. <laughs> I am. Oh, he is a yang. And, and I don't know if I should if I should go into a just a more private life, live, move to Canada so the paparazzi leave me alone. But you don't um, like Canada, or, Colonel. I know. No, 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 I no. don't. I don't. They don't like him. Oh. Well, I knew Did it was something. Get that right. Yeah. So I no, I don't like Canada. Um, they tried to interfere in our elections. If you are watching the news, <laughs> and uh, so I uh, gives a shit. <laughs> I don't trust that Trudeau. Do you, Timmy? Well, you know, I remember when his was his mom was like sleeping with everyone. Yeah, remember? his dad was too. <laughs> <laughs> They're sleeping with everybody but each other. Because, Brandy, I, I don't trust people with a checkered past that have, you know, multiple partners. I do not. Uh, no, I, no, no. no. I, I find that troubling and amazing. Mm-hmm. Timmy is, Timmy's all about. I'm about virtue, Brandy. Moral. Virtue, virtue is my. moral living. Virtue is my you, middle name. Uh-huh. You are the moral majority, Timmy. I really am. I I like to think myself as the as being a leader of the immoral minority, Colonel. <laughs> I think you are. You you're not the immoral. You're the immoral part. I don't think you're a minority. When I see <laughs> some of our listeners and go onto that page, you know, somebody posted something on the page the other day, and I it just I just got to thinking. Somebody found Michelle Johns. They they post they found forty lovely Michelle dollars on a couch. Lovely, oh, Michelle. Uh huh. So they and found some money in the couch. They bought a second-hand couch, and it had forty-three thousand dollars in cash in it. Finders keepers. Well, no, they gave it back. Got, I think they did. And my thinking is, if you got forty-three thousand dollars and forgot where you put it, how bad do you need it? <laughs> Finders keepers. Was it all in change? <laughs> <laughs> Quarters. Look down in the cushions, and you got $43,000. They wondered why it was so goddamn heavy to move in. It's like a sleeper sofa. So, All but right. That was just my thoughts for today. So I don't know. I might come back as just, uh, you know, even if I give up my, my title, Timmy, mm-hmm. my, my title. Your colonelship. Made up, your made-up title. Well, and the other thing is that a lot of people don't know is, I'm in direct, an indirect lineage to the throne. Now, I didn't so, know that, Colonel. Did you know that, Brandy? Yeah. yeah. Now with Harry out, no. <laughs> and if something happens to Charles or the Harry's brother, they well, could no. be knocking on the Colonel's door. No, the only so way you're in line kind of lineage. Is and I don't want to somebody... bang the Queen, Timmy. I don't want to bang the Queen. Now listen, if somebody nuked. Great Britain and England and wiped it off the face of the planet, there would still be eight people ahead of you for the crown. So simmer well, that, the fuck down. That's not a... See, then our friends Ben and Roseanne and Leanne. It's Rosanna. It's Rosanna's birthday today. It is. The it is Rosanna's Ros- birthday. Yes. Happy birthday, Rosanna. She's one of the she's one of the finest people on podcasting to me. She, she well, is. 
Well, I would so. say, you know, Brandy, even though the colonel is, you know, a little bit far down the line in terms of the secession of the crown, uh, you will never uh, be manager at Stonehenge because <laughs> they say right. you suck. <laughs> That's just what they 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 hand wrote it on your on your <laughs> application on your back. CV. That is hurtful. Thank you for your interest in this position, but you suck. Yeah, they said you suck. She sucks. Yeah, I tried. I advocated for you, Brandy. Oh, first of all, don't ever advocate for me, please. <laughs> please don't ever advocate. For Let's me. talk about the who. When a large uh, group, when large groups of people gather together, Brandy, there is always the potential for something to go wrong. And injuries when to the occur. Three of us gather. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> There's a good chance of that. Musical events are certainly not immune to such tragedies, Brandy. They are not. As history has provided many examples. Altamont. Am I saying that right, Colonel? Altamont. We did Altamont, a, yeah. Yeah, we did a story on that, right? The Great White Show in Rhode Island. Yeah. I, I bet Brandy yeah. was a Great White fan. She had a you know, hair all yeah, poofed right. up in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. That's cocaine. what caused that fire to be so bad, all the hairspray in the All crowd. the hairspray, yes. And, of course, the Who at Riverfront Coliseum. Altamont tragedy was the result of concert promoters uh, and the Rolling Stones hiring uh, the Hells Angels as event security. Remember, we did an episode on that, right? That, yeah. seems, like a, that seems like a poor choice to me. Yeah. It just seems like... If you want things to stay under control, yeah, let's invite the Hell's Angels. Were they? Uh, wasn't that mentioned in uh, the song "American Pie"? Yes. No angels born in hell. Could, yeah, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was. The fire at the station in Rhode Island during a Great White performance started after people associated with the group let off pyrotechnics inside the venue. It's never a good idea to start indoor fires, Brandy. Indoor well, fireworks. Indoor, fire indoor fireworks shows are not, yeah, they're not generally the safest thing. Yeah. The Who disaster here in Cincinnati. We never, you think we would cover that since we live here, but you think we would have covered yeah. it sooner. The Who disaster, which claimed 11 lives, was not the fault of the band or the event promoters. After an inquiry, the blame effectively rested on the venue's uh, festival seating policy, a general admission making seats available on a first-come, first-served basis. We're going to talk about that, Brandy. And uh, I I wasn't living in Cincinnati at the time, but I remember when that happened. I'm sure you were living here, right, Colonel? I was living here. Yeah, I was. I was here. I actually knew people that went to that concert. I was. I was younger then, so some of my older friends went to that concert. But I think I was. I like, mean, the Who were big then. I mean, yeah. The huge, huge I think I was like then. fourteen when this happened. Yeah. U.S. Bank Arena is an indoor arena located in downtown Cincinnati, along the banks of the Ohio River next to Great American Ballpark, which is home, of course, of my beloved Cincinnati Reds. Used to be called Riverfront. At that time, Timmy was, yeah, it was the, right, the Coliseum, right? The Coliseum, Riverfront Coliseum. We get to it. Yeah. Settle down. Yeah, we and, do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was 
completed in um, September of 1975 and named the Riverfront Coliseum because the placement next to the Riverfront Stadium, which my dad helped build. So they had the oh, ballpark. Really? Yeah, Riverfront Stadium. Not the Coliseum. Not the Coliseum, but the Riverfront Stadium. The stadium. Where the Bengals and the Reds played in the 70s. Uh, the arena seats, uh, the Coliseum, and the arena seats 17,556 people and is the largest indoor arena in the greater Cincinnati region with uh, 346,000 square feet of space. That's a lot of space, Brandy. Yes, it is. You could have a fireworks show in there. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, I saw Elton John in this place, and then we were, like, up in the rafters, and you might as well have been in the next county so far away. Mm-hmm. The arena underwent a $14 million renovation project in 1997, and the current tenant, main tenant in uh, Coliseum is the minor league hockey team Cincinnati Cyclones. But when this Riverfront Coliseum opened in 1975, it became home of the city's professional hockey team, the Cincinnati Stingers. Remember the Stingers, Colonel? Timmy, I sold popcorn down there when the Stingers were playing. Now, see, Brandy, he was a young man out working hard while you were doing drugs. I was 13 years old, Timmy, and I'd walk around with my thing and I'd be yelling, Cotton candy, yummy, yummy for your tummy. Get your cotton candy. Wait a minute. This was in 1975? Correct. I was. This was in 1976. I was 13 years old selling cotton candy. In 1975, I was a year old. Hmm. So I wasn't yet doing Well, you you weren't mature enough to do what I was doing. That is true. I I was clearly not. But I love that you were old enough to do it. Go ahead. Hmm. And, and we had a sweet gig. This was a sweet gig, Timmy, because you go down to the service entrance, mm-hmm. and you had to wear, everybody that worked at the Coliseum, you had to wear black pants and a white shirt. Right? Okay. And nobody ever checked you out. So any concert you wanted to go to, mm-hmm. you just wore black pants and a white shirt and went into the service entrance. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got to see more concerts than you would believe. Always go in the servant's entrance, Brandy. That's the that's the lesson here. Is that the trick? Mm-hmm. Okay. With black pants and a white shirt. They would never, you just say you were working that night and on the schedule that night, and they would uh, just, they'd never check a schedule. That's before, you know, they had computers and badges and everything else. So we learned. Yeah, and that to, was before security was so tight. Yeah. Yeah, but you did have a little card that said you worked there um, that had your name on it, and you would just go down there and show them your card, and they didn't know if you were on the schedule or not, and go ahead. and. So well, it became the home of the Stingers, right? It was the home of the Stingers. In addition, uh, Riverfront Coliseum became the main venue for rock concerts in the greater Cincinnati area. I guess it sort of still is, right? Well, Riverbend, yeah. I guess. Riverbend, I guess is the Riverbend for the smaller groups. Yeah. Uh-huh. The venue hosted uh, such acts as the Bee Gees. A little, give me a little Bee Gees, Colonel. Ah, 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 staying alive, staying alive. Maybe not appropriate for this one, but. Ah, <laughs> ah, 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 
That's bad, man. That's and bad. I seen the next one. Go ahead and mention the next one, Timmy. The Almond Brothers. Cause I've been tied to the whipping post, Timmy. Tied to the whipping post. And Good Lord, I feel like I'm dying. And <laughs> and muddy waters. Yeah, didn't <laughs> oh, go to no. see muddy waters, but I no wouldn't see the other ones. Okay. Now I, I I would not mock Muddy Waters. He's a he's a personal hero of mine. Yeah, he is. He's great. On June twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven, Elvis Presley gave his second to last concert in the Riverfront Coliseum, with seventeen thousand people attended that concert. Give me a little Elvis, you... Colonel. I'm sorry, Timmy. Give me a little Elvis. Love me tender. Love me true. Am I getting you a little tingly there, devil? No, you're doing fat Elvis, so go ahead. <laughs> Love Seems appropriate. Me we can't go on together with suspicious mind. Yeah, now you have to admit, Brandy, you're, you have to admit your toe was starting to tap there. Mm. No. It was Love me tender. Really she got not. a little, She, I think she might have been having a little What's, pulse poking out there. I threw up a so little bit in my mouth, so go ahead. Festival he, seating. He did not sell that concert out, Timmy. You know what? Elvis the King did not sell that His that next to last concert out. But you know what he said at the end? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you Thank much. you very much. Festival seating is a seating arrangement in which un, unreserved seats are available to the first person to claim them. So it's basically it was, Darwin seating. Yes, first come, yeah, first serve. Seating. I remember uh, festival seating. I went to see uh, Billy Squire, Brandy. You'll appreciate this. There you go, Billy Squire. <laughs> I was dating. <laughs> okay, girl. It was from Billy Squire. Stroke me, stroke me. <laughs> Give me the business all night long. No, I got a story, Timmy, that night that you saw Billy Squire. Uh-huh. I met him at the elevator at the Atrium building that day. Was he wearing his got pink, on the elevator. pink shirt? No, he was He was wearing jeans and a regular shirt. This, that pink shirt, that whole video. <laughs> Rock Me Tonight. Me. Rock Me Tonight yeah. video. It kind of ruined his career. Yeah, it did. <laughs> you know, it the did. funny, I was reading about that, and his girlfriend told him, like, don't make this video. Don't do it. <laughs> Please don't, do don't it. make this video. Yeah. And he listened to his uh, managers and whatever, and uh, it ruined his career. But, you know, I read he's, like, wealthy because of, like, rappers. Rap yeah, rappers, rappers would use his riffs. riffs. Yeah. 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 He's, like, a billionaire. Yeah. yeah, so he doesn't give a fuck if that video sucked. Nah. He doesn't even. No, but Billy Billy Squire was in town that night. I was dating a girl that worked in Atrium Building. Oh man, women loved him. You know, you get laid. If oh, you, you take some. Take a. My girlfriend was. You know, she was crazy for Billy Squire. Yeah. Now this was before you could get selfies, but got into the got on the first floor and look in. That's I'm like you. You're Billy Squire. And he looked at me and said, "You're the Colonel." <laughs> I was like, "Nice to meet you, sir." And he said, "Well, yeah, I've been." I've been a fan of yours for a long time. I you know, I think Billy Squire and uh, what was the what was the uh, what was the guru that the health guru? Oh, you know him, Tony. Uh, what's his? Buddy? No, 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 no. The guy always wore shorts. 
Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons. Yeah, I always get uh, Billy Squire, Richard Simmons, and Leo Sayer. I always think they're like the same person. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they're always like the same person to me. What Leo Sayer. Hold on. What was Leo Sayer's song to um, you? I don't know. He had one big hit, but I, I don't know. He did have one big hit. What the hell was that song, Timmy? Uh, Google it. Yeah. Google it, Colonel. Yeah. And then Look that up. Write that down, Brandy. Look Brandon. that up for me. Write that down, Brandy. Look it up. Shit. Let's move on. All right. Yeah, so, so uh, part of this story. So festival seating, it was a problem. And we, we went to see Billy Squire and like my oh girl my, God. my girlfriend takes off running to get these seats. Well, I, I didn't know about festival seating. And she like Darts, and I'm trying to find her. And of course, you know you can't save a seat because people will beat you up. And she got like a really good seat, like the third row or something. But I had to stand by her because I wasn't fast enough, I guess. Shocking. Anyway, those uh, wanting good seats uh, know they would have to arrive at the event when early. I need you. Oh, I just Leo close my eyes and I'm with. There you go, devil. You remember that one, don't you? Wait, that was popular when uh, the Rubber Band Man was popular. <laughs> yeah, I like the Rubber Band Man. 1977. Yeah, Rubber Band, Rubber Band Man. I love the Rubber Band Man. All right, so those wanting good seats, festival seating set up, they knew they'd have to arrive at the event early and fight fellow patrons to get the best seats, as my ex-girlfriend did, leaving me stranded. When Riverfront, Coliseum, when Riverfront Coliseum first opened in the mid-1970s, the venue maintained a policy known as festival seating for all the concerts and like events. Not anymore, Brandy. No, not anymore. In 1979, festival seating had been uh, causing issues around the country with many, in many cities. And with many venues, uh, and they begin to move away from festival seating because of safety concerns. Despite these concerns, however, concert goers and many rock musicians preferred it, uh, festival seating, as it allowed the most motivated and rabid fans often to get the best seats. So, you know, they want to, you know, they want to, they want that vibe up front so that they can, you know. Gives them energy, right? As artists. Oh, I mean, it was it was just fair game. It was like it was like Thunderdome, Timmy, trying to get a good seat. Yeah, you just you threw elbows, you push. It was like roller derby, really getting to the seats. If you grab somebody's shirt, yank. Oh them yeah, backwards. yeah, you pull them back and trip them. Yeah, trip them, push them down. It didn't matter. Everything was fair game. Somebody hit you with it. Somebody. Somebody running along, trip you, knock you down. You didn't even get mad about it because you knew those were the rules. It was fair. It was it, fair. That was that was fair game. But the one thing you could not do, as you said, is save a seat for somebody. No, you cannot save a seat from someone. And if you, you know, if you're late, you're late. Yeah. Right, Brandy? Yeah. Hmm. <coughs> so anyway, you Brandy. There, Doc Holiday. No, man. So what special is you going to see, Devil? I have to go see an ENT. An ENT, huh? Yes. Ear, nose, nose and throat. throat. Ear, nose, and throat. You've been putting stuff in your nose again, Devil? No. Legos. Your ears? Things like that. Legos. Ears. 
Cocoa Puff, no. <laughs> yeah, Cocoa Puff. Ugh, gross. So, uh, yeah, so this festival seating thing was a dangerous thing. Uh, you know, one time, Brandy, I got knocked down. Uh, I was at a festival seating event, and I got stampeded myself. I was rushing, Colonel, to see Yo-Yo Ma. Oh, yeah. Oh, those Yo-Yo Ma fans are some badass some bitches, man. They're diehards. Too. They, have, they, they, they have no mercy when it comes to So let me get this straight. You've been stampeded. Yeah. You have hit a moving car. Moving car didn't hit you. Well, let me say this. Let me say this. Huh? We it was it was kind of mutual. I was coming. We just <laughs> it was a no. It was a freak accident, accident Brandy. <laughs> and Basically. and yet you know, and you're irritated that your girlfriend went up and got the seat. But I mean, I've seen you like walking downtown and stuff. You're not, you know, flames aren't shooting out behind you. So I'm not surprised. Well, well, but I did, I just didn't have the same motivation to see Billy Squire that she did now. But Yo Yo Ma, I did. I was, yeah, but I you was, tripped because you have to pick up your feet. I think they tripped me. I think some of oh. those rabid yo-yo ma fans. Oh yeah, fuckers. Yeah, I see, fuckers. I see. Yes, the web panty all. women. Despite these concerns over um, over the festival seating, uh, concert goers and many rock musicians, as I said, they preferred this that they get the rabid fans up front. I think I said that before. Still, it still holds true, Brandy. Right, so from two seconds ago. Sure it does, yeah. In contrast, many venues began moving to reserve seating, meaning customers reserve their seating location when they purchase the ticket. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. It, it is not no, it, it's not first come, first serve. It's also meant uh, the seats up front tended to cost more and usually went to fans who could afford a more expensive seat. So not necessarily the most rabid fans, but the ones with the deep pockets, Brandy. Right. That's the way it works. Like the Colonel. Yeah. I usually get passes from the bands to me. I just, well, I'm still wearing my black pants and white shirt and going down there. <laughs> Are you? They just say, "How you doing, Colonel?" Good Forty luck years later, cotton candy tonight. Yeah. <laughs> From the performer's standpoint, band members are often trying to feed off the energy of the audience. Like I said, and it would be harder to do so when you have reserved seats when people tend to be older and less animated. I don't know. We're pretty animated. Yeah, we're pretty animated, aren't we? Well, yeah, we are. I just I just held up a big lighter right now. <laughs> Problems. Wow. Right yeah. Wow. Problems of unruly fans at rock concerts had been had long been a problem, Brandy. Yeah. Amp up crowds sometimes fueled by alcohol and drugs. Of course you know all about that. <laughs> yeah. Would create uh created safety risk. Uh add festival seating to the mix and you have the recipe. For disaster, Brandy. My goodness. Not a recipe for disaster. By December 1979, Cincinnati Riverfront Coliseum was no stranger to such incidents, Brandy. Fans at a 1976 Yes performance set off uh, fireworks inside during uh, the, the performance. So, 
Kind of like the fans set off fireworks. Yeah, yeah, fans set them off. Fucking yes, fucking yes, fans. Uh, You know what? I'll tell you something, Timmy. Yes came back a few years. This is a true story, Timmy. Yes came back a few years later. It would have been about 1982, I believe. Uh And I went with a group of friends, and these uh, we was leaving there. One of my friends. Got into a little bit of a kerfuffle with someone. Kerfuffle. And, uh, but it didn't last. And the guy kind of punched him in the chest and, you know, they broke it all up and everything else, you know, so nothing big. Except the guy did not punch him in the chest to me. He stabbed him in the chest. Ooh. Everybody thought he punched him in the chest. He stabbed him in the chest. He stabbed him directly in his heart. Ooh. And it, were it not for one of, and I, all, these guys were not close friends, but we all knew each other because we went to school together. Were it not for one of our friends standing over him, sticking his hole in his chest and holding it in his heart, he would have bled out right there. He, he lived. He ended up live? living. Okay, he did live. Yeah, and yes, it's not a concert that would get you all rowdy like that. The guys were like, it was like the guy, and I don't mean this in a. Uh, uh, the lead singer of Yes pranced around the stage like he was a fairy. You know what I mean? Not not like, I don't mean that in the gay sense. I mean in the true fairy sense. In like sense. he would hop around and wave his arms. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he was sprinkling magic dust. It was the weirdest goddamn thing I've ever seen. I don't like prog rock to me. Prog rock is not. It's not, it's, it's it's not your style. No. No, it's not. It's not even a style. It's just when people can't play the instruments real well, that's what they call it. Hmm. But yeah, yes, yes came back. There was no fireworks that time, no. Well, I would during, not recommend when to they our had this, when, in 76 yes. when they had these fireworks. Clouds of thick smoke enveloped the crowd, Brandy. Not only did the fireworks create a fire danger, but 27 people had to be treated for smoke inhalation, Brandy. Your thoughts on that, if any? Ah, oh, that's sucks. Early on, that's River, hard. Early on, Riverfront uh, Coliseum developed a reputation for allowing crowds to run out of control. So much Go Cincinnati. Yeah, so much of the uh, that so much so that the venue's employees be, began referring to concert goers as animals, and opening the door as starting the stampede. Did you refer to that, Colonel, when you were selling popcorn at Cincinnati Stingers game? Did you refer to the crowd well, as see, animals? I didn't, didn't have to deal with this because I was sneaking in the I was sneaking in the things, but the uh, the thing was is you know you would get down there if the concert started at eight, you get down there at six o'clock, mm-hmm. five thirty, six o'clock, you know, so you could be one of the first ones when the doors opened up. Yeah, and then run to the seat because if you were in the back, you know, you were going to be sitting somewhere midway up. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And as I said, um, when, uh, I bought. You know, when I saw a few years ago, when I saw Elton John down there, we were in. You know, we didn't have good seats, but I mean, you were you're like, you know, three city blocks away. I mean, you're far yeah. away from the. You from are the stage. far away. So you, yeah, I can understand people wanting to, you know, get good seats. Because if you were slow, you'd end up with just just terrible seats. Yeah, and you'd have to get down there real early. And if you this Who concert, it was cold. 
Yeah, it was in December. It was cold. Yeah. Yeah. So it was clear that the Coliseum owners were aware of the problems of festival seating. Yet they did nothing to fix the problem or to eliminate the risk. They even failed to act after an incident at the 19, and you know, you're familiar with this one, Colonel, the 1977 Led Zeppelin show at the Coliseum. Oh, want a whole lot of love. <laughs> want a whole lot of love. <laughs> at that performance, uh, 60 would-be concert goers were arrested and dozen more, dozens more were injured as a seat, as a seat seeking crowd. How do you like that, Brandy? A seat seeking crowd forced its way forward, crushing people against closed doors. My actually, my brother was at that concert, Timmy. Uh, the they, Les- and they tried to call the police in, and they they was throwing the police motor motorcycles off of the off of the you know how river, the Coliseum sat up high, you know. And sure, sure. They had those walls. Yeah, they were throwing motorcycles off the walls. Police motorcycles. Um, There's news footage of that. I'd like to see Led Zeppelin. I've never seen Led Zeppelin. Did they still tour? Yeah, I was a little. Did they still tour? I was a little young. I was 14 then, but my brother was there. And, um, no, they're not touring. John Bonham is since deceased, and they broke up. Uh, dozens, as I said, dozens of concert goers received medical treatment after that event, and the Coliseum management pledged to review their festival seating policy, but nothing changed. Brandy, despite that, despite this incident and the elimination of festival seating in similar venues across the United States. By this time, so other places were ahead of the curve, and they were taking you know other other cities were outlawing festival seating, but not here in Cincinnati, Brandy. Riverfront Coliseum maintained its festival seating ticketing policy. Many in the local media at the time predicted that the policy was a disaster, waiting to happen, yet nothing, nothing changed, Brandy. So surprised by that. Okay. Tell us what happens next, young Brandy. Okay. Can you... uh, Chuck, can you cut this out? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. I can hear you. Okay, well, I had to change headphones. Because my other ones died, so... Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. All right, edit that part out then. Okay. Okay. Or not. Yeah, or not. Okay. So December in Cincinnati is certainly not a time when one chooses to stand outside for hours on end. Oh, that was before it's, glo- it's before global warming. I mean, it was yeah, like right. 70 this degrees before, the other day. Yeah. <laughs> it was 70 degrees in January the other day. But yeah, it used to so, be I mean, cold here. You're on the river. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gets cold. Yes. Um, however, whether pleasant or not would not deter Who fans from collecting outside Riverfront Coliseum on December 3rd, 1979. With a combination of the venue's festival seating and the event being the Who's first performance in Cincinnati since 1975, fans gathered shortly after noon for the 8 p.m. show. These people need jobs. That's a Uh, long time. That's a long time to stand outside in December here in Cincinnati along the river. Yeah. 
You got to remember how big the Who was back then, though. Right, Jimmy. right, right. They were, they were big, big now. Yeah, it's like all those, it's like all those yeah. people that take off. You know, they take off um, all day or the, for two days to go see Jimmy Buffett. Like, yeah, but who, the Who is cooler than Jimmy Buffett, though? Or like those people that get up at eight o'clock in the morning and go downtown for opening day. Yeah, yeah I yeah, can't. I don't know how people, why people do that. I mean, yeah. yeah. I know. By mid afternoon, the police had been called to help quell the crowd, which by this time was swelling into the thousands. As the concert grew nearer, the crowd began to push forward, pressing those in the front against the locked doors of the Coliseum. The forward crush continued and pressed up against those closed doors. The crush had started around 6.15. And ground on for an hour and a half or so. At about 6.30, Cincinnati Police Lieutenant Dale Meckhouse, Meck, Menkhouse, Minkhouse, Minkhouse. Minkhouse, okay, uh, was headed the 25-man detail, yeah, there you go, um, outside. And he decided that the 800 or so people who were now 8,000, 8,000 people. 8,000, sorry, I'm trying to read this off my phone. 8,000 or so people uh, who were now packed around the banks of the doors were beginning to um, they were beginning to, to cause a problem. Uh, the doors were not scheduled to open until 7, but the crowd could hear the Who conducting its sound check, and they wanted in. Uh, it was 36 degrees, and the wind coming off the Ohio River made it feel much, much colder. By 7 p.m., a crowd estimated at over 8,000 people had amassed outside the venue's locked glass doors. What do you think about that, Timmy? Well, I think they should uh, have got in line and maintained some decorum, Brandy. I am big on decorum. Yes, you're known for that. This was another kind of aberration in this whole event. Because typically when bands are playing shows down there or, or any concerts, they'll do their sound checks about 4 o'clock yeah, or something like that, not close to concert time. Well, so when these people heard this, they thought the concert was starting without them. Yes. So everybody well, started shoving stupid. forward. Everybody's outside. Why would you think the concert's starting without you? They're just playing to the janitor. Well, they maybe well, they thought that they, no they were at the what? wrong door. I mean, yeah. Yeah, because they only have one bank of doors open. Well, so the Who left the stage after their brief sound check. No one inside the Coliseum knew that while they ate dinner and conducted business as usual and waited till the appointed time to admit the animals just outside those front doors, the horror had already begun. A horror under a full moon. How do you like that, Brandy? How do you like that, Kurt? A horror. That's a, of chilling magnitude that will probably never be fully explained. You like that, That's Colonel? a Picasso-like picture, Timmy, that you paint it with a with word, Timmy. Thank you, Colonel. You used word to paint. You know, the the, the tragedy really is, Colonel, the sad part is that Brandy reads it. Is. It is. Yeah. From her phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From her phone. It, it's, oh, come on. You know what it's like? Be it's a professional, like if, Brandy. Uh, it's kind of uh, like Shakespeare. Sentence, it's like Shakespeare. Sounds like Les and then seeing uh, 
like, I don't know, Chris Farley show up and do one of his shows. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No. It sounds Just, like Les Nessman commenting on the turkey drop. That's what it sounds like. Actually, WKRP did an episode on the on the Who. I know they did. I know, yeah. I know they did. I remember. Um, of the 18,500 tickets that were made available for the concert, only about 3,500 were reserved seating. These ticket holders entered the venue via other entrances and were completely unaware of the situation unfolding outside. So Dale Minkhouse failed to convince venue staff to open a second set of doors and was told that the venue did not have enough ticket takers to open multiple sets of doors. Union rules prevented the venue from recruiting ushers to handle such duties, and a fear of gate crashers also contributed to the vendor's reluctance to accommodate with more entrances. And when we mentioned that Led Zeppelin concert a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. uh-huh. that's what happened at the Led Zeppelin concert. Basically, they just gave up trying to get tickets from people. They People just crashed the concert and got in. Yeah, got in um, without paying. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so when the band began a late sound check, the crowd outside surged forward again, fearing that the show had begun. Good Lord. Although all the doors were expected to be open simultaneously, only a pair of doors at the far right of the main entrance were finally opened. From a broad bank of doors, only a few were open to allow entrance. As the doors would open, fans would rush forward to get in. When the doors would close, the crowd's momentum continued forward, crushing those in front. An usher at Riverfront, uh, Ray... I can't even raise something or another, claimed the pushing began in earnest after a patron threw a bottle through one of the doors with people reaching through the hole in the door to try and come in. It's like zombies. Uh, ridiculous. Happening repeatedly, the ebb and flow of the crowd eventually overwhelmed the glass doors. Then about 7.15 p.m., the real trouble began. The band conducted, the band conducted a very late sound check. The crowd assumed that the Who were on earlier than scheduled. At that point, the entire crowd surged and pushed toward the two doors which had been opened. At approximately 7.20, one set of the doors succumbed to the crowd's force and shattered, while another set was thrown open. As concertgoers entered the stadium through these two doors, those waiting in front of all of the other doors began pushing forward again. After a short period of waiting and then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Knocking on the doors and the glass next to the doors, the crowd assumed that none of the remaining doors would be open. As soon as those doors were open, dozens of concert goers were forced down to the ground by the crowd's momentum. Attendee, attendee Robert Durstich said of the moment, a wave swept me to the left, and I re- when I regained my stance... I felt like I was standing on someone. I screamed with all my strength that I was standing on someone. I couldn't move. I could only scream. That had to be. It had to be. It had to be terrifying. Yeah. For more than 15 minutes, the crowd forced its way into the venue. With no riverfront security personnel in sight, the police on hand, aware of the potential for disaster, were overwhelmed by the attendees. Candace, Candace Momper, a concert goer, said of the scene, There were people piled up off their feet on the ground, at least 20 of them. Some were unconscious. The crowd couldn't see the people were piled up until they got there. Then the crowd from behind just kept pushing so much that people kept walking over them. As ticket holders pushed forward, the police could do very little other than force their way into the crowd to help, them, to help stem the surge. After 25 minutes of chaos, the police began working their way into the crowd where they found the first of what would be 11 concert goers lying on the ground dead from compressive asphyxia. Hold on. (coughs) Sorry. Uh, Not all of the dead were trampled on. The crowd jammed people up so tightly in front that they just passed out. Some didn't even fall down. They must have jammed up so tight that they didn't get any air and just died. Uh, unaware of what was happening outside the Coliseum, the band members were finishing their pre-show meal inside the venue. Yeah, yeah they, 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 happened, knew, they knew nothing about it. Right. No, what happened there with a lot of people was, as you said, they were standing. They didn't get trampled. They were standing, and the ba- the crowd was squeezing so tight that they could yeah. not take breaths. Man, how, how God that had to. I mean, and a that lot had to be of so people. Fucking, oh my God! A lot of people were saved, Timmy, because they ended up doing this body surfing thing. People would lift them up, and you know, get them on top of the crowd, kind of like you, right. was, you know, crowd surfing, right. And that saved a lot of people that were smaller and starting to get crushed. They would just toss them on the top of the crowd, and they get pushed back. So it could have been as, I as mean, horrible uh, as it was. It could have been far worse. I mean, can you so, imagine? Yeah. Just I mean, it'd be uh, obviously it'd be horrifying to be on the ground and being crushed and not being able to get up. But just to be standing there and. It's still being crushed, you know. I mean, not being able to breathe and not being able to, you know, you can't push anyone off I, of because be miserable. I can't horrific. imagine being that excited to go see anything. 
Yeah. Well, it wasn't so much excitement. I mean, it wasn't so much excitement. It was. It was just when you get that mass of a people, and they were really think about it. Up, you know, pushing Drunk against a brick wall, and people from the back had no idea what was going on in the front. Right. I mean, and they, so were, they're, they were they're young kind of kids pushing for the most part. Yeah, they're Teenagers. pushing, but all that force and momentum was just literally like Python squeezing the life out of people. That's yeah. what it was doing. And so unnecessary. It, well, it was because that it was it was a fault of the. Uh, well, it it the was really fault. the fault of the venue and a fault of. Um, you know, if you the, lived in Cincinnati promoters. a long time, it was well, and Mink House too. Because Mink House had the, he had the authority to make them open doors. And he was arguing with them about um, rules. And he could have just said, you are going to open these doors and you're going to open them now. He was, he was a Cincinnati captain or lieutenant mm-hmm. at the yeah. time. And he could have just done it. But he got confused as to who was in charge there. Well, I mean, I guess you never expect something like, you know what I mean? I mean, even though you had problems, you're not going to expect 11 people to be crushed. No, I mean, but it's it's kind of funny that while all this was going on, you had somebody who's basically just kind of a venue supervisor arguing with a Cincinnati lieutenant saying, we can't do that. Because Meekhouse saw this problem coming a couple hours before it started. Right. How do you not see it coming from a mile away? Yeah, I mean, he saw it coming. Well, like, I mean, you know, and it's not a large area. People. I mean, the, the you know, the plaza where the, you know, outside of the Coliseum. I mean, it's not a huge area. And to have 8,000 mm, 8, no, people on there, you know, just that in itself. Yeah, you a, think the damn thing collapsed. Yeah. Well, Timmy, when the dust is settled, 11 young people were dead. 26 others were injured or in need of medical treatment. The 11 people who died in the crush were Walter Adams, age 22, Peter Bowes, aged 18, Connie Sue Burns, 21, Jacqueline Eckerley, 15, David Heck from the west side over here, 19 years old, Tiva Ray Ladd, 27, Kevin Morrison, 15, Stephen Preston, 19, Philip Snyder, 20, Brian Wagner, 17, James Wilmoth, age 21. Now, despite these 11 deaths, Timmy, Mm -hmm. the majority of whom were under 21 and two were mothers and the 26 injured, the concert went on as scheduled. Now, city officials feared an overreaction from the crowd and riots and, you know, what else could happen. Um, and Cincinnati Fire officials t- and the police instructed Riverfront to just go on with the show. Yeah, they were so afraid that it would all be... this is going on, um, the band itself had no idea what was going on. It had, what, had no idea what had just happened out front. They just played the show through. Nobody told them. And their manager knew about it. Uh, the Who's manager knew about it, but decided that it was best not to tell them at the time because they were afraid... If they did, the who might stop the show. Yeah, I remember so, when I remember watching local news, and uh, we had a local, um, we had a um, news anchor here, Al Shadokati. Yeah, 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 and his son was at the concert, but 
he, you know, they just got reports that people were dead. And, it, you know, they didn't know how many, but they knew that there were, you know, multiple deaths. And he was it on. It really the, wasn't he until was on, the next day. Yeah. But he was on the air and, you know, not, you know, not knowing if his son was, you know, alive or dead. It was. It, it, and that was going on. The concert was going on at that point. Right. I mean, the concert because mm-hmm. the. the it was already on the news. Now today, that everyone in inside would have found out about it because of you know uh, cell phones, cell phones. And, yeah, and all that, right. social media. But at that time, that was before all of that. So the people who were going on with the show had no idea. Right. Yeah. Jeez. Now the incident was the subject of a book, "All the Kids Are Right: The Rock Generation and Its Hidden Death Wish." Timmy. As well as the second season episode of WKRC WKRP. Cincinnati called P. WKRP called In Concert. The episode aired just eleven weeks after the tragedy. If I remember now, correctly, though, WKRP actually handled it. They really, did. It really was a very, well. very uh, yeah. It wasn't was really one of their goofy yeah yeah comedic shows. Yeah. Now the families of the victims sued the band. Um, concert promoter, Electric Factory Concerts, in the city of Cincinnati. The suits were settled in 83, awarding each of the families of the deceased approximately 150000 which would be about 377 today, 377000 and approximately 750000 or $1.8 million today's dollars to be divided up among the 23 injured. Now, the city of Cincinnati also put a ban on unassigned seating on December 27, 1979, I'm sorry, with minor exceptions for the next 25 years. In June, or what am I saying in June? In 2004, the city of Cincinnati permanently repealed its longstanding ban on festival seating Two years after temporarily making an exception for, Timmy? Uh, your friend. Bruce Springsteen. Were you they, at that concert? They lifted the ban. For, I was at that concert, Timmy. But here's the thing about a Bruce Springsteen concert, the way they do festival seating, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Well, you, all those fans are really old now. Well, no, you buy, you buy two different tickets. He doesn't have seats on the floor. So you buy either floor tickets or tickets up in the seats. Yeah, okay. So, so, you, so there's you, not that – the only people that are going to be kind of in a little bit of a rush are the people that have bought the floor seats and want to get right up close. But, you know, yeah, we'll get, we're getting a little bit older and nobody wants to do that anymore. But he didn't – when they when they made the band – or lifted the band for him, it wasn't a true – Festival, Festival seating. Festival seating. Yeah. You know, you had to have this wristband that, you know, you showed. And this got, Courtney Cox attend uh, all of his concerts? Um, not anymore, Timmy. She's a little bit old. Oh, okay. She's a little bit old. Um, he sometimes will pull people. He doesn't do that one anymore. He has a song, Waiting on a Sunny Day, where he will have people come up and sing the song with him. Generally, small children. Uh, it's amazing how people will uh, will do that. So, but now, I mean, the, goal, the the point it's here, the, how much I don't care. But the point here is, after 
you know, 25 years of banning the ban. festival seating. Idiots. It's back, Brandy. Good news. It's back. Yeah. It's back. Well, well it's, it, it, but it's not really back crowd. because they, they, they the do Jonas it Brothers a little crowd. bit differently. Now, a small plaque marks the spot where 11 people went to see a rock concert today and were crushed to death. So that's all we have of that. And it was very, people criticized the Who very badly and for this, if you remember after the thing. and um, I mean, it wasn't the Who's fault. I mean, they, it was, they didn't decide. No, it wasn't their they decision. Found out, um, they had a lot of problems. Roger Daltrey was having problems the rest of the concerts, remembering song lyrics and things like that. So after he found out, he kind of, even though he wasn't involved and didn't know about it, got a case of PTSD from it, Timmy. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't expect that when you're, you're you know, you're perf- you're having a concert. It's supposed to be a good time. You know, you don't expect 11 people to die. Right. You know, at least at least we had the good sense to open the doors when this kind of shit happened at DweebCon. Yes. Yeah, we I did. Mean, we don't have festival seating at DweebCon. Well, actually, we do, but yeah, that's we all do. We but have. we have people working the doors. Mm. Well, we don't. I don't think we have people. Eight thousand people come see us, but I'm sure they would if they could. Um, yeah, if they could. I, yeah. and we. I mean, we had, sure we had a couple fights break out. Well, it's mostly Michelle Johns being drunk and causing problems. But mm-hmm. other than her, well, Michelle Clark. Johns. Well, Clark. No, Clark. Shelley Garrett molested that plant. Shelley. Yeah, yeah, Shelley. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. Was, that was not. Well, Ben. Ben. Ben caused some problems. Karen. Ben, Karen. Yeah. Karen, Karen, Karen just, yeah. you know it's surprising that the SWAT team doesn't. Well, show <laughs> yeah, I mean you. Got we have Nick, a lot. We have a lot Karen, of troublemakers. You got Brady. Shelley. I know. Yeah, I, I know. yeah. That yeah. a lot of riffraff comes to Dweeb. Riffraff, me, you know, and that Tommy Lane, she is nuts. Oh, I, oh yeah, God. there's something. Yeah, yeah, there's something a little. Yeah. Scary I mean, it's good, her. really good that she lives on an island off the off the, um, <laughs> you know, not Away on the mainland. From, yeah, not on the mainland. Right. Yeah. All right, Brandy, what, uh, or Chuck, what is your final thoughts on the Who concert? Could have easily been avoided, Timmy, but <clears throat> as you said, who foresees something like this? Well, I, I come you to know. you first on your opinion, uh, Colonel, because this is not, you know, some, uh, some devil worshiping or some serial killer, because then I, then I care about Brandy's opinion because that's, that's her crowd. But well, I mean that, like that's this. a wheelhouse, Timmy. Yeah. That's yeah, witchery, mm-hmm. um, black black arts, yes. black magic, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, soul stealing. But I will I will ask her her opinion. Not that I care. But yeah, Brandy, what's your care, thoughts? Your ahead. final thoughts on the Who tragedy? I think that anybody that couldn't see this coming, the city or the promoters or whatever, <laughs> was willfully negligent. Do you think it and could, they should have got a lot more money? Do you think it could happen again? Yes. Okay. Well, I do. And I'm, I'm telling you, the Jonas Brothers. Mm-hmm. You get them little girls up in there, and they will, they will absolutely crawl over you. Absolutely. 
Well, oh, I yeah. will try to avoid new kids on the block, and you got people like Karen too. Oh yeah, she set people all, on fire to get. You know, she's like throwing out. panties and all kind of shit. Yeah, <laughs> throwing panties, knifing people. Mm-hmm. Hey. Well, Colonel, we would like to thank all the wonderful people who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com/slash history dweebs, where you can give a little, you can give a lot, or or just a wee little bit to me. You know, we've got some new uh, supporters of the program, um, and we want to say thank you very much. It means a lot to us, and um, not only does it help defray the cost of producing this podcast, but it tells us that you like what we're doing, and we really, really appreciate that, even though uh, we know that you really don't like Brandy. Uh, Colonel, yeah. uh, wow. let's thank some people. Well, let's thank Louise Siddons. Yes, a new let's supporter. Thank, thank you. A new supporter. Tessie Alacron Poor. Kate Byer. Danielle Townsend. Marianne Knight. Adam McWatters. Elaine Baker. Alexandra Ali. Alicia Mincy. The Already Gone podcast, Timmy. Our good friend Nina instead. Nina, I just, you know, I, <clears throat> I just purchased the Already Gone t-shirt, Timmy, yesterday. Did you? Because I have them in charcoal, and that's kind of my color, Timmy. So, Well, it highlights your eyes. It, it does, does highlight his eyes, Brandy. Highlights his soul. Go ahead. Well, Amanda Christine, Amber Anderson, <clears throat> Amber Scoville, Anna Girl Lion, Timmy. Andrea Odell, Andrew Frazier, Angela Santos, Angelo Villafane. We got a lot of Angela. Anna Garrett. I haven't heard from Anna. I hope she's yeah, going to Yeah, I've heard from her. Yeah, she, uh, she said she's coming to Dweebcon again this year. So we missed her she's last a world year. traveler. We missed well, her last year. It be great year, to so hear. See her. Good to see her again. Becky Trainer, Ben Durbrovich, yes. Randy McBride. Bridget Bernard, Brittany Martin, Callie Jones, Christy Lee in Canadian True Crime, Carl Asplin, Carol Lee, Charlie, of course, from Crime Lines. Charlie's going to be TweetCon this year, and we're going to try to get her to do a live episode of either Crime Lines or Rusty Hinges. Oh, that'll be cool. Yes. And Lars, hopefully Lars can Hopefully he her. can make it too, yeah. And it, three or four of her children. <laughs> she has quite a crew, Brandy. <clears throat> She's got a crowd. Chris Lane, Christine Howell, Cindy, of course, the Trowbridges. I hope Diane's doing well. Yes. Uh, the Comeback Podcast, Daniel Bassett, Diane Student, Erica Kinney, Aaron Turner, Fiona Crisp, Gina Green. Gina Green sitting at home, going to be watching those Chiefs today, Timmy. Yes, um, uh, championship weekend, right? Yep. Jay Cleveland Plain, Jay Cleveland Payne, Jahara Lopes, Jamie Dent, Hiro, Jason Dykes, Jeff, and Don Chestnut. You know, Chestnut, you know, Jeff is running for uh, president this year. He's I'm voting for Jeff. In the bucket. I like Jeff, Brandy. I like Jeff. I'm going to vote for Jeff. Jennifer Orcutt. Jennifer Svoda, Jess Watford, Jessica Greeno, Julia Rodriguez, Karen Barnes, Timmy, Kelly Charette, Kim Stroop, 
Kimberly Smith, Christine Malachinsky, Laura O'Reilly, Lydia Wassum Fisher, Maja, Marsha Boris, Marie, Marquia Smith, Mary Courtney Sheldon, Melissa Montoya, and of course Michelle Johns, Paula Kimes, who every once in a while shows up in the group, Pleasing Terrors Podcast, Timmy. Um, Robert Sherrod, Ron Montessario, Ruth Whitfield, and my girl Sarah Bloom, Charlene, Shannon Arnold, Shirley Strap, Stacy Alsop, Stephen Potts, Terry Stratford. I think they finally got some rain down in Australia, didn't they, Timmy? I think so, yeah. Some of those fires out? In parts of it. I don't think uh, very much of it was hitting the fire. I think it was in different areas. Oh, was it? Yeah. The Vanish podcast. It shows how kind of, we're kind of ignorant over here as to uh, what's going on in the rest of the world. So, but. That's an understatement. It is. Uh, They Walk Among Us. Tyrone. Tommy Long. Tommy Lane, who we just talked about. Uh, our fake British friend or fake Irish friend, Leanne Flanagan, the lovely Leanne, the lovely Leanne, and you know she she did portray herself as Irish when she first came about. I don't feel like she did. Uh, I think you just did that. You portrayed it on. I made of made of an well, assumption. Her she did not correct is, me. She's last name is Flanagan, so she is kind yeah. of. She's kind of fronting, Brandy. She's fronting. She's fronting. She is fronting. She's got some Irish in her. You leave Miss Leanne alone. Well, fronting. she got some Irish in her. Yep. Fronting. Bit, bit. And then, you know, she, she likes to take a Leave shot at, at, our, at us Americans every chance she gets. Alone. You know that. You know that, don't we you? We take a shot at Americans every chance we get. What are uh, yeah, you but it's about? it's okay for us to do it. She talks about them kicking our ass in the War of 1812. And <laughs> blah, Leave blah, blah. They burned down our White House, Timmy. They did. They did, Brandy. They did burn down our White House. I wonder if we could get them to do that again. Just say, come on. Come on over here. Burn down the Capitol building. Burn down the White House. Burn down everything. Just start on all over. Rebecca L., Jin Lee, Alan Cox, Whitney James, Rudy. The Wonder Dog. The most dangerous dog. When is Bo going to start contributing to this podcast? He's kind of of a free loafer. No, Bo, Bo just went job. to the thing, to the bank, on Friday after work to get his little check card. And he said the first thing he is going to do is uh, become a patron sponsor of uh, Already Gone. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he's going to be one of our patron sponsors. Well, we're waiting. Patreon sponsor. Waiting. Why are we second? Um, well, that's a better Bo podcast. Likes- you know, I was watching a movie last night. Um, um, Anthony Hopkins and Benito del Toro. Yes. Did a uh, remake what was that? That was I know the, the name. That, no, I was thinking uh, Psycho, but okay. Okay, they did Benito a remake of the original Wolfman. They had a little different spin on it. Was he in London? But every time the Wolfman would come onto the screen, Rudy and Bo would just sit there fascinated, like. And I wonder if the Wolfman's like Superman for dogs. Was this Wolfman Jack? You think? Yeah, Wolfman Jack. Oh, Wolfman Jack. Yeah. 
God. But but they they would just they'd hear and all of a sudden those two dogs would jump to attention. They stand stare at the TV screen. I was just thinking, is Wolfman like a superhero movie for dogs? Yeah. He's like Elvis for dogs. Like, it, I is. mean, it makes sense, right? The you know this thing can run, jump off buildings, everything else. He Harry. looks like a dog. You know what yeah. doesn't make sense? He can rip the guts out of you anybody. Telling this story right now makes no sense. Well, it's, it's pretty goddamn right interesting. What you? It's dog psychology. I find it the absolute opposite of interesting. Lady Beverly, well, Colonel. It, it is disinterested. Lady Beverly, yes, yes. It is very interesting. She is. She is very interesting. We thank you, Lady she's Beverly. One of the Brits that doesn't take shots at us, like you. Hmm. And, like you. of course, the woman we do this show for week after week after week after week, and that's the lovely Dottie Scott. How's Dottie Scott doing, Timmy? She is doing well. Thank all of you for joining us, and please join us next time as we explore another, another important topic, Brandy. Thank you all, and we'll see yes. you next time on History Dweez. Bye, everyone. Good Bye-bye. day. All righty, and I will get. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.